Tonight we resume our study moving through God's wisdom. Remember as we move through the process, I don't know, I'm not sure how many weeks we've been in this, uh, over a year I believe. Remember he wants us to have his wisdom. Remember he graciously gives it to us. It's not a puzzle we have to figure out. It's not something that we have to go out and search for. He graciously gives us his wisdom. In our study, we've been wading through the wisdom of God. And that's what every Sunday night has been. We come, we look at God's wisdom, we hear God's wisdom, and we consider God's wisdom. Well, here's a question as we launch back in. The question is this, and I want you to think about yourself. Are you wiser? Right now, are you wiser? Do you have godly wisdom? Uh, more than last month, more than last year, maybe more than a couple of years ago, are you growing in godly wisdom? Can you sit there and say, well, yes, I am growing in godly wisdom. Do you think you're better off than you were? Because here's the truth. The goal is that we'd be doers of the word and not just hearers alone. That's what the New Testament says, that we would be doers of the word, that it would show up in, in our attitudes, in our actions. Our goal is that we would walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake, that we would stay away from sin, that the things we would do would bring honor to him. Our goal is that we would not sin against God because of the word of God that is hidden in our heart. That is the promise of God's word. That is the potential of God's word. And so as we start back now, I want you to think about that. Uh, do I look differently because of the intake of God's word. Has my life changed in its expression because of the intake of God's word? Let me say this. I ought to say it more often. Good job being here tonight. It is the best thing that you could have done is be here tonight. If you're listening, and I know there's some listening in another way, a good job to you. That is the best thing that you could do tonight as well. All right, we're in chapter 28. We're going to jump back in. and We finished with verse 13 last time. We're going to start back in verse 14. Proverbs chapter 28, beginning in verse 14. It says this, How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Listen to those words. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Now, there are some translations. I believe the New International Version says, those who fear the Lord. In the original text, in the Hebrew, that word Lord is not there. It is not written down, but it is assumed. We do not fear men. We're not to fear anything else, but we are instructed many times to fear the Lord. Now, the, the verse says blessed. Uh, it, it literally translates those two things, blessed and happy. Uh, the second part of that, blessed and happy. Now, uh, that contains two sides. First, there is a good position, you are blessed, and so that carries a good disposition, you are happy. You find yourself in a good place, you are blessed, and so therefore you have a good disposition, you are happy. It says, happy is the man, happy is the person who fears. Again, it is assumed that we are fearing the Lord. Now, the word for fears it is a word that means reveres, and you actually could just take that word and interchange it, who reveres 
the Lord. Now that word reveres, it has really kind of a, a complex meaning. It means really a mixture of honors, considers, holds in high regard, and respects. Now all of that is tied together. You fear the Lord, you consider the Lord, you hold him in high esteem so you respect the Lord. And so in all of that, you're considering the Lord. Happy is the person. They are blessed in a good position. They are found happy in a good disposition because they fear the Lord. Then it includes the word always. And that is an important word, always. Here, here is the truth. The person who weighs everything against God, they will be found in a good position, blessed, and so they will be found in a good disposition, they will be happy. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like practically? That means this. As you go through the course of your life, as you move through the steps of your life, you're asking the question, does this honor God? In the little things, does this honor God? Does this please God? In the big things, does this please God? Does this follow what he has said? Does this follow what he has called for, for from me? In everything, that word always, in all decisions, in every situation, we are revering God and we are considering God. Does this next step honor God? Does this next sentence I'm about to launch into, does it honor God? The way I'm going to treat these folks at the grocery store, does that please Christ? In everything, in every situation, we are to consider God. Now, when we hear that, I think we would agree with that, but I think inside we might say, really? In all things, in all things, consider God. Do we, do we have to consider him in all things? Can I keep some of the things to myself? Can I keep some of the things and can I direct those things? Well, to answer that, it says, but he who hardens his heart. Now, that is not only refusing to listen, it is refusing to listen, but it's not only refusing to listen, it is refusing to be moved. And so you're hearing, you're listening, but you're refusing to be moved. I hear what God has said, I'm not going to follow that. It means you're not going to bend, you're not going to adapt to the truth, you're not going to concede, you've hardened your heart, and so you're saying, it must be my way. And so you might say, well, do I have to give everything to the direction of God? Do I have to consider God in all things? No, listen, you can harden your heart and say, I will not adapt to the truth of God's word. I will not consider God in all things. And for that person, the Bible says this, they will fall into calamity. It, it most literally translates, they will fall into trouble. Now what all of that means is, the areas that you try to direct, the areas do, that you do not submit as a New Testament Christian to the headship of Christ, to the truth of God's word, trouble will appear in those areas. And that's what it means. Now, you can submit to God, you can consider him, or you can hold some things back, and in those areas, trouble will brew. Several years back, you may remember it. Now, there was a Bible study that we did in the book of Colossians, and there was an analogy in that study of a house. And in a house, there are many rooms. And there are some rooms we want God to be in. Yes, 
for sure be in the living room. When everybody knocks on the door, I want you to see, be seen in the living room. Uh, we, the pantry, we want the pantry to be full. For sure, I want God to be present in the pantry. But there's other rooms that we'd like to keep closed off. You ever go to somebody's house and when you go, they, they run over shut two doors right quick. If it's like me, you know, probably know what's a mess in those rooms. But there's some rooms, you can come on in the living room. We're picking up stuff as you come in. But we got four doors we're going to shut as you come in. It's the same way. There's some rooms that we want to keep under our direction. Here's what the Bible says. Happy is the person who considers God, who bends and adapts to the truth of God in all areas of life. That is the word always. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Verse 15. Uh, in this section, we're going to look at verse 15 and 16. Uh, we're going to look at the subject of our leaders. Like a roaring lion and a rushing bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. Go ahead and look at verse 16. A leader who is a great oppressor lacks understanding, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Like a roaring lion and a rushing bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. A leader who is a great oppressor lacks understanding, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Now here's what the verses are telling us here. A true leader leads for the blessing of the people. A true leader, a, a, a good leader they serve for the betterment, for the service of the people. Now, that might be a selfish thing. You might wonder, well, why do they do that? Well, here's why they would do that. Because if it's better for you, it's got to be better for me. And if it's better for me, it ought to be better for you. And so, you know what? I want to serve you, and I want the economy to be, to be strong. You know why? Because if it's good for you, it's good for me. I want our, our justice system to be fair. You know why? Because if it's good for you, it is good for me. And so they serve for the betterment of the people. They serve uh, for the good of the people. But a wicked leader, a poor leader, they've made a disconnect there, and they serve... Some, and probably they serve self at the cost of other people. And so you know what? I've got this class here, and we're going to be the we're going to be the ones that benefit from how this thing goes down. And so they serve for sure themselves, but probably others at the abuse of others, at the oppression of others. Now here's the moral of that: find a fair and just leader. And the way that you can tell that is in how they serve others. Now, when I read that, my instincts say, well, good luck in that. How you tell a good leader is how they serve the cause, how they serve the people and a Christian leader at the cost of self. Like a roaring lion and a rushing bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. A leader who is a great oppressor lacks understanding but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Verse 17, a man who is laden with the guilt of human blood will be a fugitive unto death. Let no one support him. 
Very interesting verse. A man who is weighted down, who is laden with the guilt of human blood will be a fugitive unto death. Let no one support him. Verse 17 uh, is a very interesting verse. I believe if we look at it very carefully, it has a practical meaning. It has a practical application. And I believe if we look at it and if we think about it clearly enough, it also has a theological meaning and it has a theological application. Now the verse, verse 17, is talking about a person who is guilty of murder. They did it. Uh, for whatever reason, they, they committed the murder. They are guilty. Well, practically, I think we learn from the verse that they are to be declared guilty and they are to suffer the punishment of their guilt. I believe that's what it's saying there. They have committed the murder. They are guilty of the murder. They stand under the weight of its guilt and they are to be left alone. They are to suffer the punishment of their guilt. A society runs smoothly, not just with right laws. We need to have right laws, but a society runs smoothly when the right laws are enforced. And I believe that's practically what that verse is saying in its practical application. We need correct laws. We need right laws, but our laws only carry impact when those laws are Enforced. And so they are guilty of murder. Let them suffer as a murderer. Now, a deeper thought uh, is theologically. Theologically, the application of this verse. Now, I want you to think about this. The picture is, it says they are laden with guilt. They are heavy under the burden of guilt. The person is guilty of a sin. Now, it could be any sin. The example sin is the sin of murder. Now, we hate murder. Uh, we're easy to, to condemn murder. And so that's the example. It could be any sin, but the example is murder. They are guilty. And then watch, sometimes we come along and we try and lift the guilt off of them. You ever notice that? We come along and we try and lessen the consequence of the sin. And so instead of that person facing the reality of the sin, facing the guilt of the sin, and facing the consequence of the sin, we try and make it easy for them. Now, I think about a couple of parents. Here's the rule. Don't break the rule. A kid breaks the rule, and the, the dad or the mother says, hey, this is the consequence. You've got to suffer the consequence. Go to your room and wait for the consequence. The other parent comes home and says, well, just, just be quiet for a minute. It's not that big of a deal. They, all, they overreact with me too. And, and we try to lessen the impact. We try to lessen the consequence. Well, the reality is in the church that happens sometimes the same. Listen to me today. Our job in the church is not to make people comfortable in their sin. Sometimes we think, well, that's how we appease people. That's how we draw people to the church. Sometimes that's what the church does. And if God is dealing with them, we'll come along and try to make them comfortable in their sin. That's not what the church does. Here's what the church does. Our job is, as they face the heaviness of sin, as they stand under the weight of sin, 
as they're suffering the consequence for sin, our job is not to come and make light of that. Our, our job is not to come and get that weight off of them. Our job is to point to Jesus, the remedy for sin. And so sometimes we're stewing in the penalty of our sin, and we don't like it, and that weight is wearing on us, and God is working with us. It's not the church's job to come and say, let us get that off of you. It is our job to point to Jesus, the only one that can get it off of you. We're not to make people comfortable in their sin. A man who is laden with the guilt of human blood will be a fugitive unto death. Let no one support him. Verse 18. He who walks blamelessly will be delivered, but he who is crooked will fall at once. Again, here in verse 18, there is a moral choice. You can walk and live in wisdom. You've heard it. You can walk and live in obedience. You've been directed that way. Uh, our first verse tonight, verse 14, you can consider God. And when you do that, when you consider God, walk in obedience, and, and live in, in, in godly wisdom, the verse says there's an answer for you. There's going to be hard things. There's going to be things that we get hemmed in, but there's going to be an answer for you. There's going to be deliverance for you. There is help as we walk in the direction of God. But if you walk and you live in foolishness, if you walk and you live in disobedience, if you do not consider God, here's what the Bible says, trouble is coming. Trouble is coming. Listen, if you do not consider God, if you will not walk in obedience to God, the word of God says trouble is coming. Here is the real question. Do you believe when you're walking in sin that trouble's coming? And I don't, I don't think people do. I don't think most of us do. I think we think, well, God forgives sin. God, he hadn't done anything to me yet. Well, I've gotten about this far. Do you think you're going to get away with it? Do you think it really doesn't matter? Do you think, well, it doesn't always evidently work that way? The Bible says if you walk in sin, trouble is coming. Do you believe if you're walking in sin, disobeying God, that trouble is actually coming? The Bible says it is. He who walks blamelessly will be delivered, but he who is crooked will fall at once. Verse 19. He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty, much poverty. He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. Plenty. This morning I was preaching along and I said one of the things that I say is that God has never rejected a repentant person. I'm starting to say that. God's never rejected a repentant person. Well, another thing that I say, and I probably say it more often, is that results follows work. Results follows work. That is the pattern that God has shown us. That is the pattern that God has set. Results always follow at work. If you're to pick your goal, and I don't, I don't know what your goal is. I really, it doesn't matter what your goal is, but this is what I want to achieve. I want to have success in this area. I want to have a clean house. Uh, I want to lose 80 pounds. Whatever it is, pick your goal. Whatever it is you want to achieve. Some of y'all can't lose 80 pounds. I can. 
And here's the deal. Results follows work. You're going to have to go to work. You're going to have to work at that. And it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just generally fall into our lap. Results, God says, follows work. There's a lot of folks that like to play the lottery. And usually they're ahead of me in line when I'm checking out. There's a lot of folks, and they, they say, 10 number sevens and four number twos, and one of those double twisters and a Texas tornado, and they get all those tickets. They like to play the lottery. And here's what they're doing. They are dreaming, and it is exciting, that I might get the goal, and I won't have to do any work. I won't have to earn it. And it's fun to try. You know what? It is? You know what? I, I might take a chance. And I might get all these tickets, and it might pay off this week for me. And it's fun to try. He who tills his lamb will have plenty of food. But he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. Verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings. But he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. Now, this is really a follow-up to verse 19. It is a continuation to the line of thought. And I think if we're not careful, it's something that we do not tie to it or consider with it. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. The picture here is the picture of faithfulness, consistent faithfulness. This is over the long term. This is a person that's faithful to the method. If it's time to get there early, they're early. If it's time to be there when it's hot, they're there when it's hot. If you have to work late, you work late. And they, they are faithful to the process. It's not going to be just this year, but you know what? It may be next year. It may be many years. They are faithful to the process. They are committed to the process. And so results follows work, but work, you're going to have to be faithful to the process. The Bible says that person committed to the long term, faithful in the long term, they will see success. In fact, the Bible says they will abound. It's a word that means overflow with blessings. And so they took God at his word and they were consistent, and they were committed, and they didn't just put in the effort for a season. They put in the effort for a long term, and they abound with blessings. God says the opposite of that is he who makes haste. That word means a reckless hurry, a reckless hurry. we got to do it now. We need it by the fall. We've got to get this done right now. They are reckless in a reckless hurry to be rich. We're, you know what? I can't commit long term. I don't have that in me. I don't want to put that kind of work in. I want to do it right now. It says they will not go unpunished. Now, what that means is it is not going to pay off, and they will have to pay the cost for it. They will have to pay up for it. Results follows work, and work is long term, and it is consistent, and it's walked out in faithfulness. I'm going to stop right there tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful that you love us enough to teach us, to guide us, to give us your wisdom. 
to make it plain and understandable to us, I pray tonight as we have heard these verses, uh, that we have taken them in, that we've heard them, uh, that we have pondered them, that we now plan to practice them, to live them out. And I pray that it would, it would result in us being a peculiar people, a different people, an odd people from those in the rest of the world. And I pray that that would point to you, to your goodness, to your grace, and to your truth. Lord, I pray tonight for our church. I pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would stand at the center of it. I pray that we would be about your business. I pray, Lord, anything that's not your business would be stripped away. But I pray that what is your business would be encouraged, would be empowered, would be blessed. I pray, Lord, for our upcoming kids camp. I pray already for the kids that will come. And I pray for kids that will hear in the next week or two. And, and maybe their parents or their grandkids, maybe their neighbors. And I pray for those kids that will come. I pray for listening ears. I pray for receptive hearts. I pray for workers that will come and some will clean and some will cook and some will lead activities and some will teach. And Lord, I pray that you bless them in the process, that you grow them in the process. And I pray, Lord, that it is an impactful thing, not just for a week, but for a lifetime, a, a foundation of truth and faith would be laid. I pray, Lord, for the activities, all of them this summer, I pray that we would grow in fellowship. I pray, Lord, that we would grow in faith. I pray for the ladies' event coming up Tuesday. I pray, Lord, that it would be awesome. I pray that it would be tremendous. Not just a thing that we did, but I pray, Lord, that we would see the truth about walking through tough days as we go through those processes. Lord, I pray that you empower that night as well. Lord, I, I pray for our study in the book of Revelation. I pray, Lord, that we as a church will be growing, that we will be hearing, that we will be urgent, and I pray, Lord, that we will be pleasing in your sight when you come again. Lord, I pray for homes here tonight. I pray for kids here tonight with, with the onslaught of, of non-truth even going on right now in our own town. I pray, Lord, that they would be lifted up out of the smut and out of the garbage and out of the lies and they would hear and they would find the truth. I pray that they would be led by moms and by dads. Dads committed to the mom. Dads committed to the kids. Moms committed to the home. And I pray, Lord, that that would bear fruit as you have intended. Lord, I pray that you would show us grace in a world that's falling away very quickly, that's turning into nonsense very quickly. I pray that you would show us kindness. I pray, Lord, that we would be agents of that as we speak and as we hold up the truth. Lord, I pray for those that are here in person tonight. Bless them, encourage them, grow them. Whatever it is that they're dealing with right now, so many different things, I pray, Lord, that you would show them grace and love and kindness. And I pray that we would respond in kind and hold up your truth. I pray for those that are listening on the internet tonight, other ways tonight, I pray that you would bless them and grow them as well. I pray, Lord, that they would respond to the truth that they've heard, and I pray that it would bear an impact there as well. And then we just come on this night, and we tell you, Lord, all the petitions, you know them already, but we tell you, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your power. We're thankful for your truth made known to us. We're thankful for the truth, Jesus. We're thankful for a remedy for sin. We're thankful for a Savior. We're thankful for a hope for a peace, for a future. 
Lord, we're thankful that right now the next thing that we look forward to is the blast of a trumpet and the voice, the shout of an archangel that you'll come. And I, I, I rejoice and I thank you that we have that truth. And Lord, we just end this Lord's Day by saying we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We exalt you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.